Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they don't have the expertise often to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years in banking to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have two great guests on the show today, and I want to welcome them both. First, Sharon Foley with the Interior Studios. Sharon, welcome to Profit Sense. Good morning, Bill. And also, Andrew Henry with Child's Company. Andrew, welcome. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. So, Sharon, we're going to start with you. You started uh, the Interior Studios Department at Foley Design, which led to Interior Studios LLC becoming its own entity, allowing for more targeted marketing of interior design services. And I know currently the Interior Studios provides both design and procurement services to clients and end users. Um, But I guess on a more personal note, uh, coincidentally, uh, we're relocating uh, my mother to an assisted living facility here in the Atlanta area. And I have come to find out uh, that the architectural design uh, and the interior Uh, was done by Foley Design, as well as uh, Interior Studios had had done the interior. So I really want to kind of start there. Can can you talk a little bit about how you brought that beautiful architectural design and inspiration of that building uh, to the inside when you do an interior? Because I toured the location recently, and it's beautiful. Well, I appreciate those kind words. Um, I'm I'm happy to to talk about that. We uh, on the interior design side um, are fortunate, extremely fortunate to have um, the association with the architectural firm. It, the The collaboration uh, of the design efforts uh, that we are. Uh, allowed to be a part of is extremely fulfilling and I like to think provides a a more uh, cohesive experience for the end user and um, the uh, facility that your mother's moving into I'm thrilled to hear that um, is is a beautiful campus facility uh, senior living as a project type is uh, is is one of the the uh, the avenues of design that we specialize in, um, we've uh, we've done senior living design first as a as an interior design department at Foley Design Associates, but also um, as an independent company for um, thirty years with Foley Design Associates. Um, we 
uh, have clients and design projects that run the gamut of senior living design from affordable senior apartments with tax credit or HUD funding um, to the big campus projects that have independent living, whether they're apartments or condominium, um, healthcare and uh, assisted living and skilled care uh, on the same campus, and then pretty much everything in between. I have clients that um, own and manage and develop and operate um, skilled nursing facilities, nursing homes all over the southeast. So that's something of an of a of an of a niche in the senior living market for us. But to your point, we start with the number one. We listen to our clients, which is which is paramount, um, and and we try to bring their vision uh, to to reality. So we start start by you know really listening, and then um, the, from an interior design standpoint, we look to the architecture to set the design cues in terms of character and quality and materials and so forth. And um, the the end result is that we want the experience when you drive up to a facility, you walk in the front door, you you know you you look at the the outside of the building, you walk in the front door, and you experience the inside of the building. We want that experience to be as seamless as possible in terms of of character and quality, and um, so that that collaboration with architecture is is the is the key to to that end result. And uh, that's exactly what happened um, at the facility that you're referring to, and um, and on all of really all of our our projects. Um, it's um, it's a really it's a real joy to work in a team environment with architects and with with our coworkers and interiors, and um, it it it's reflected I think in our projects and um, the other sort of. Um, uh, component of interiors that's extremely important for the for the uh, the way the project looks and and functions is furnishings a lot of a lot of times that is uh, that becomes an afterthought an owner gets involved and and does that independently and uh, we provide not only furnishings design but also procurement services so it really is um, a a fully thought through and followed through process to achieve the level of design that, um, that, that we want to provide for our clients. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about collaboration, not only collaboration with uh, uh, fully architectural, but also collaboration uh, with your clients as well. Cause I know after a project is complete, you go back and talk to the users of the interior that you've completed for a lessons learned things that went very well, things that you might've done differently. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Certainly. We, um, the client is, is part of the team um, from the, from the get go and throughout the construction process, as is the, uh, the construction group itself. And um, we do involve the client throughout the process and, um, the the lessons learned part is a is a really important component. Um, we learn every day, and um, we are generalists. Uh, we can't be experts in every every small detail, but we try. So the the idea that you go back to the management team that's the other component that can I can't overstate the importance of 
is the operational and management team because they they have the day to day information of how the residents are feeling and how the staff is feeling. That really is informative uh, on the design level. So the the, the sort of post mortem we call it. Um, of going back to the facility and talking to the owners and operators and and residents to see how things are going, you know what what could be improved, what what lessons can we learn for next time, it is a real important component of of the the follow through. We're talking this morning with Sharon Foley, who's the director of interior design at the Interior Studio LLC. A major market segment for the Interior Studio is senior living design from affordable senior apartments to continuing care retirement communities, including skilled nursing, assisted living, memory support. And of course, you talked about those briefly, Sharon. So I want to talk a little bit about the trends in interior design, specifically in senior living, uh, aspects of making it less institutional and more home-like and therapeutic, uh, maybe even sprinkling in uh, some thoughts on technology advances, lighting controls, and the science of it all. Certainly. So one of the trends that has been um, in the market for several decades, really, is that move away from an institutional setting to a more home-like setting. Now, the caveat, of course, is that you you design, um, you know, you facilitate uh, the movement and the and the living conditions of the age group. So there are certain things that you you need to do to make them comfortable, and to make the the interiors work for them. But the the um, the inclusion of the uh, a more home like visual environment is is really key. So we you know we can talk about how uh, how spaces are scaled. Um, you know, giant, you know, high ceiling spaces are not often, you know, as comfortable as as more intimate spaces. We can talk about how uh, as 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 people move into these facilities and live there, live out their lives there, they really are using the same activity spaces, the same dining rooms, the same um uh, lobby areas and common areas on a daily basis. So one of the things we try to do when we try to work with the owners to provide our destinations within the facilities that uh, provide places to go that are different, that are um, that provide some variety um, for the folks that are living. So for instance, instead of one huge dining room, we might have three or four smaller dining venues that have different character and then if, uh, you know, if a resident wants to sit in the same chair in the same dining room with the same people on a daily basis, that option certainly is there, but they also have the option to, to sort of break up that experience. And then from a, from a, from a trend standpoint, um, technology really is uh, something that we um, have to stay on top of. It's moving every, practically every day, and the advancements are, are uh, amazing and we try to incorporate uh, as much of that as is feasible from a from a budget standpoint. And one of the most interesting ones for seniors is the uh, is is lighting controls, which is not a new technology, but the idea that you you facilitate the natural uh, circadian rhythm that people experience on a on a daily basis, the arc of sunrise to sunset, and how that affects the color of the light and so forth. 
and then you you control the lighting within the facility to 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 help that because there's a you know there's a there's scientific um, studies that 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 really highlight how spending so much time indoors um especially on in a skilled care environment where you know you really are confined just physically um by your you know by your own physical limitations that your circadian rhythm really is affected so that's one of the one of the interesting things that um is has come on the market and then you know old concepts are still good daylighting and um and circulation uh, wayfinding and those sorts of things are they're 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 excellent concepts. They're not new, but they're certainly uh, tried and true, and uh, and we try to provide um, as much of that um, still in our in our senior facilities as as we can. So there's really an art and a science to it all. So I'm interested. Sharon Interior Studio has really carved out a niche in senior living, as you mentioned earlier, in partnership with Foley Design. Uh, The two firms are really passionate about it and really good at it. So I'm curious, how did that niche come about? We started working in senior living. Actually, actually Bill, I'll have to give Bill some credit. My my husband, Bill Foley, and and the president of our firm um, worked in senior living with... um, my dad, this is a, this is a family story, um, in, oh, about 1982 or three, um, and it didn't last very long, um, but there was a little company that was, uh, was a family business, and, um, my dad was an architect, I have a brother who's an architect, and their niche was really affordable senior housing with HUD funding. And my dad did that type of housing in Alabama for his entire career. And when Bill joined the firm for a, for a short period of time, then he became familiar with that project type and, and equally passionate about it. And then he brought that project type then to the firm that he, he eventually became a partner in and then, of course, to Foley Design. So it is, uh, it's, a, it's a long-running um, interest uh, on all our parts in working with that particular segment and um, the the gratification of improving those environments for for either folks that are seniors and are looking for an affordable solution or are seniors and are are moving into a clinical situation is is a is a pretty amazing feeling to walk in and and see the the impact that you've had on the lives of people in that age group and I think that's that's the that's the the real passion, if you will, um, to that 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 really keeps us uh, so involved in in that particular project segment. Yeah, that is a great story. Uh, I did not know that story. So your your father was an entrepreneur. Yes. Uh, Bill is an entrepreneur. Yes. And you've been an entrepreneur for part of your professional journey. So what's that journey been like for you? Uh, share maybe some of the high points and maybe some of the challenges too. Well, um, it, it, has been a, it has been a journey. Um, I'm, again, very fortunate to have had the experience that I've had with, with Bill Foley and, and the architecture side of the firm. Um, 
there was always an immense uh, level of support for interior design as we as we you know uh, had the experience together for so long as a as a department of Foley Design, and then as we separated the companies in 2017. The idea really was to open up uh, opportunities to market our firm to um, other architects, other end users, um, and to create uh, what is known as a woman-owned business entity. So um, we are a majority woman-owned business, and um, that is uh, a criteria that um, can sort of get us in the door uh, to certain project types. And, um, we, we work with, uh, other architects and there is a comfort level. I think when you come in as an interior design consultant to be a separate entity from another architecture firm. So you can kind of read between the lines that, um, it was a little, a little bit easier sell, um, when, when we didn't have an architecture firm, you know, that we were embedded in. So um, it's it's been a journey. Um, I am a designer by profession and certainly by skill set. I am not a business person by skill set. So the challenges for me have been all have been on the business side. I love the leadership role that I have, um, but I'm I'm sort of a as I as I say I like to say I'm sort of a worker bee. And so I do, I don't just direct other people to do things. I do things. And the business side is the toughest part for me. That's not my best skill set. I have learned a lot. Um, but basic, basic business management, cash flow, billing, all of that stuff, that's a little bit of a challenge for me. So I have learned to, you know, to uh, trust some other better uh, business professionals to help out on that. Um, but that's, you know, that's sort of the high points and, and, and the, and the tough side of, of the entrepreneur, uh, you know, business owner, um, situation. Well, and here's the beauty of that. Uh, if someone were to come to me and say, Bill, I would really like for you to do this interior design, uh, I would first panic and then I would call (laughs) you. The the flip side of that is uh, if you struggle in business management, uh, then people that uh, struggle in business management, if that didn't exist, Sharon, I wouldn't have a job. So uh, us left brainers and you right brainers, uh, we we can make a good team together. So that's, that's what I'll say about that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think we all have to play to each other's strengths and, and, and do our best. But um but it 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 certainly is. You know, I I know I know who to call. Let me put it that way about business. Absolutely. So there is so much going on in design, both in architecture and in in interiors. I am confident that we might have some listeners that are in the middle of design or contemplating a design. So what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, so that you can talk to them about their projects? Well, it really just, uh, we're sort of old school phone and email folks. And um, I, um, I'm i sort of an email advocate. And so for, for me, that's the, that's the communication uh, methodology that works the best for me personally. Um, and that's uh, Sharon Foley at foleydesign.com. 
And you can tell that we used to be a department of fully designed because our email is still stuck <laughs> on that side. But that's uh, that's the best way. We do have a website. It's www.theinteriorsstudio, and the word interiors has an S, dot com. It has some contact information. And then um, on the uh, architecture side, the same, they have a, there's a website, fullydesign.com. That's a good way to contact. Um, but uh, love to, love to talk to folks uh, that are, that are looking for, you know, small advice, you know, little bits and pieces of, of how do I go about this um, or, or larger projects. We are, um we are very happy to to invite uh, new clients into in you know into our uh, into our shop. I will say that um, we we have very we have a very low marketing budget, um, and the main reason is that most of our work is word of mouth from clients or it's repeat work from clients. So there's a there's a correlation between doing a good job and getting the next job and uh and that's that's our philosophy and um but does not preclude um answering the phone so we're you know happy to talk to folks that uh have a have a project in mind for sure well this has been a great time spent with you Sharon thank you for coming on profit sense and sharing your story it's been a delight well thank you bill thank you for having me and now we're going to uh, switch over to Andrew Henry. Andrew is with Child's Company. He's a partner there. And so, Andrew, uh, could you tell our audience a little bit about what you do, who you do it for, and why you do it? Sure. Yeah. And, and Sharon, I just wanted to say thanks for sharing everything that you did. Uh, I'm in the middle of a home move. I don't know if you do projects that small, but uh, seems like you're a little bit on the bigger end. But we don't do all, we, yeah. Thank you. We don't do a lot of residential work. Yeah. You know, that's the ultimate compliment. I get that quite <laughs> often in in facilities when I'm touring. Is oh, I want you to work on my house. I said, you right. know, I can't do that. But that's a real big compliment. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing about you too, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bill, to answer your question, a little bit of background on me. Born and raised in Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, where I got my master's in accounting and CPA before I started working for Ernst & Young. So I'm a Georgia boy through and through. And, you know, for the last, I worked for EY for a couple of years. And for the last seven and a half years, I've worked with my business partner, Matt Childs, Childs Company, um, to build a boutique wealth management firm, advising mostly business owners and affluent people with complex circumstances on Reaching financial independence is a, is a nice little buzzword right now. Um, and, you know, we really help these business owners integrate their personal and business plans. A lot of times we see entrepreneurs are so focused on their business, which is a good thing, right? I mean, you need to grow your business, um, that their personal finances somewhat take a back seat and they might not be um, maximizing their, their full potential on their balance sheet. So that's what, that's what we do. Well, and so uh, in that dealing with business owners myself, I actually have seen a lot of business owners that have put uh, a lot of blood, sweat and tears into their business. Uh, haven't taken much money out. It's all been reinvested in the business, but all of a sudden the business hits scale and then all of a sudden, the profits 
and the distributions become large. And so sometimes it's a challenge for them to not only handle their personal financial planning, but also their professional planning as well. And you have the ability to integrate the two. So I'd really love for you to talk about the integration of the personal and professional plans for business owners. And maybe even you have a, a story of someone that you help them integrate their plans. Sure. Yeah. And, and Bill, to, to your point, you know, I'm, um, a lot of, a lot of times the entrepreneurs and business owners don't have the time to, to necessarily see the whole picture. And that's not a bad thing. You're, you're focused on your business. You need to grow your business. Um, need somebody else to maybe bring in some other opportunities or shed some light on uh, circumstances and, and possibilities for yourself personally, as well as your business. So, yeah, that, that's what we do. And that's, you know, in terms of integrating plans, you know, one example, you know, we, we look at retirement planning for not only the business, but the owner themselves. Um, obviously, if they're looking to exit or transition the business, there are many possibilities there, which I think we'll get into later. You know, one particular instance that, that I can think of where we've integrated plans is we had a client who was a business owner and was looking to make a transition uh, with his business. And as, as you well know, Bill, there are obviously a lot of different options. Um, so we discussed different options with him and he decided that the best uh, for him and his company was to sell the company to its employees through an ESOP plan. So employee stock ownership plan, right? Which is technically a qualified plan that can be used um, not only as a business transition tool, uh, but also as an employee ownership vehicle. And that owner hired a firm that specialized in ESOPs, who then successfully facilitated the liquidity event, while at the same time keeping the owners involved in the business during their transition to the next generation. And so I you know, I personally think that that example is a great one um, that shows that, you know, you, you have to plan for your business, but also it impacts your personal finances. And so, you know, for this one, we saw a, a pending liquidity event and we were able to plan with this client before the transaction occurred on how to allocate resources once that uh, windfall occurred. And I just think that's a great solution of where, you know, we, we found a way not only to provide for the future of the business, but also on a personal level in regards to their you know, financial plan and retirement plan. We're talking today with Andrew Henry, who's a partner at Child's Company. Andrew is a CPA and a certified financial planner. Uh, he focuses on the firm's strategic growth through business development and client satisfaction. Andrew's also responsible for leading the financial planning and business retirement plan advisory practice at Child's Company. And Andrew, I'd like to shift the conversation to retirement planning. So retirement planning can be confusing. Uh, there are catch-up provisions based on age and also qualified and non-qualified plans. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how a business owner can maximize their retirement planning and how you help? Absolutely. You know, they're just like with uh, the exit strategies with business owners, there's always different options. 
uh, you know, there, there's never a cookie cutter answer. It always depends on their set of circumstances, their goals, their structure, their size. Um, and, and retirement planning is no different. And the, the ability to defer income is an important facet of a financial plan. And so we take clients through various possibilities from retirement planning. And, you know, for example, qualified plans include simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, traditional IRAs, solo 401ks, cash balance plans, just to name a few. And we evaluate the maximum deferral possible and discuss with each owner. So, you know, contribution limits for owners can reach close to or over $60,000 in a lot of these plans. And with a cash balance plan, as I mentioned earlier, depending on how old you are and the annual income, it could be a couple hundred thousand. And so we like to, uh, like I mentioned earlier, make the balance sheet the most efficient um, by maximizing the potential of of retirement plans as well as other vehicles. you know, in, in related to integration of personal and, and, and business, we actually help manage corporate 401k plans as well, Bill. So for several clients who've had a 401k plan, they started maybe when the company was smaller, um, maybe use their payroll provider as their TPA, uh, and, and, and they've grown, They we, we've seen that they necessarily haven't changed their 401k plan to grow with them. And so we're able to evaluate the, um, the the 401k plan through a benchmarking tool, which I'd recommend every owner do uh, every, about every three years. And just to see if they're using the best technology, the best fund lineup, the positions included in, therein, and then the fees are in line with industry standards. So we see a lot um, of times now, once the company gets to a certain stage, there's big companies like Principal and Fidelity that uh, do bundled approaches, right? Rather than having a, a different TPA and a record holder and custodian, et cetera. And we're able to help manage the finances of that plan. And we meet with the uh, plan committee, which helps the business owner themselves um, plan for not only the personal, but for their business uh, needs for their, for the retirement planning. So, that's that's one one thing that um, we add value on and, and do for our clients. And then, you know, there are non-qualified plans out there, too, which you mentioned can be somewhat confusing. It's just a way that, you know, w- w- executives can be offered uh, the ability to defer income into further years. And depending on, again, the business and their goals, we, we discuss those options and then uh, play kind of intermediary between them and, a, and a, another party that's constructed the plan for them. And we can manage the assets uh, inside the plan. Sure. And so thank you for kind of taking us through uh, what can be a confusing topic and adding some clarity. So you've probably seen some really good liquidity events for business owners and some that were not so good. Can you speak to some lessons learned so the business owner audience that's listening can have a successful exit when they exit themselves? Yep. With, um, you know, with transitions, it's, it's, it's always a, a challenge to fully understand all the options out there. And, you know, I already talked about one, the ESOP plan, right? Um, that was a very successful exit. We had another client that hired an investment banker 
to identify the best buyer, right? And, and they negotiated the best price and terms and resulted in a successful sale to a private equity firm. Yet another client said, you know what, I don't really want to go through that auction process. And they sold to a strategic acquirer whom he was familiar with. And so that also resulted in a successful liquidity event. But around all of these transitions and transactions, the biggest mistake that we see is that the owners don't have uh, or run a full-blown process where all the options are on the table. Um, maybe they've heard from a friend or different advisor that this is the way to go. And so they've got their mind made up. But in reality, they, you know, they've built this business over 20, 30 plus years, have a lot of, as you mentioned, blood, sweat, and tears poured into this. You want to make sure you maximize it, right? And so while it might be a lot of work getting your finances in order, um, hiring somebody, which could be very expensive, but at the end of the day, totally worth it if they're going to maximize the value of your company. And so if, if it's one lesson that I would take away, Bill, is to, is to really use, utilize advisors uh, during the process, um, even though there, there, there may be a fee and it could be uh, a lot of work on your end getting the business ready uh, to be sold. I think that ultimately shows and, and, and you see a whole lot more value there. Yeah, there's no question about that. It, it really does take a village and you're spot on having that having that team to work with is is so critical. You know, succession planning to that point is a hot topic right now as the baby boomer generation is retiring and exiting their businesses. So talk a little bit about your process of helping the business owner invest that liquidity and then help them maximize it when they exit. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, ideally we'd like to engage with the owner several years before an exit. We like to have that foundation of built up trust and relationship, fully understand their business um, and where it could go. Again, we're, we're not investment bankers, but we've got some experience. My, my partner, Matt Childs, right, was the CFO and a, a partner in a business for 20 years before he started this business. And so we've got some experience with and they end up selling a business to a private equity firm. So we've got some experience with exits. And then once, you know, obviously the liquidity event occurs, um, we want to look at their entire balance sheet. As a CPA, as a recovering CPA, as I like to call it, uh, no, no longer practicing accountant, but still, still maintain the CPA. We like to look at the entire balance sheet. It's not just about investments. It's not just about your brokerage account per se. You've got your business, you've got potentially other real estate or, or private investments um, on there as well, uh, residential real estate that you need to consider. And, you know, we help look at the entire balance sheet in order to make it the most efficient and maximize it. I know I've said that over and over, but that's really what we do and how we help, you know, our clients. We, we, we like to um, look through, you know, the, the various things, you know, other than the investments, just because um, we know that those have just as much, if not more, impact um, on on the client's financial plan. So if someone wants to get in touch with you regarding either wealth management or helping them uh, plan for their uh, business exit and liquidity event, 
What's the best way for them to get in touch with you, Andrew? Well, just like Sharon, uh, we, we, we love a good phone call or an email. Um, you can find us at you know, childscompany.com, C-H-I-L-D-S, company.com. Um, and my email is henry at childscompany.com. You'll find all our contact information there. Check us out on LinkedIn. Uh, and we've got some good information on our website. That includes not only our info, but um, some resources from a retirement or business planning standpoint. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on ProfitSense and, and sharing your expertise and your experience. This is a critical topic for business owners, and uh, you really provided some great clarity. Thanks, Bill. I really enjoyed it. So I've had some business owner conversations recently. Businesses are expanding. Uh, people are looking to add talent. And that really brings up the topic with business owners about delegation and when to add people. Many business owners struggle with delegation. We almost cringe just hearing the word. But really, without delegating tasks, people start to burn out and are unintentionally limiting their full potential. They can become the choke point of their own business. It's interesting that only 1% of businesses start to climb over $10 million in revenue. The number one reason for not making that climb is lack of delegation. Many business owners think I have to do this myself in order to get it done. But the reality is they should think that it's ridiculous that I'm doing this. Who's really skilled at doing this so I can delegate it to them? Once a business owner starts to think that others can do tasks better than they can and delegates them, uh, they experience a breath of fresh air, become more confident, and have more clarity of thought because they've taken their weaknesses and delegated them to their coworkers' strengths. To be sure you're delegating it to the right person, you have to be sure that they get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it. Uh, in these conversations, I've I've had some uh, some interesting comments uh, from clients and prospective clients. Uh, they've said, Bill, this is not just true for owners of businesses, but also for managers within a business. Another person told me, I just had this conversation yesterday with an industry peer asking me about this very issue. It's so important to decide early in your business if you want to design for growth or design for a specific size. There's not a right answer for every business or business owner, but the answer to the question does determine your hiring and people strategy. So to kind of wrap this up, failing to delegate, you don't really provide opportunities for your team to learn and lead. Leaders who don't delegate have more turnover than those who empower their employees. So this is ProfitSense uh, signing off. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on social media for the latest stories. If you want to listen to future Profit Sense podcasts. You can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense from, with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.